Hello everyone, Edward Norton here and welcome to Beyond the Stream. Joining me today, we have Dan Finch. Dan is a co-founder and CCO at SimpleStream. Not only that, he's a proud father to his sons, a self-taught guitarist, and even built a library for a school in Zimbabwe at the age of 18. So I believe that was only about 10 years ago, Dan, is that right? <laughs> yeah, very good. Yeah, about 10 years or so. <laughs> Oh, excellent. Not only that, Dan has also been part of uh, trips to the Titanic as part of his professional life, uh, Spitflyer flying, and also actually a bit of work in amongst that as well, not just a leisure time. Before diving into today's core topic, just a little reminder that Beyond the Stream is a podcast by SimpleStream. You can find us on our website, simplestream.com, as well as on your favorite platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and more. If you enjoy the show, follow us, leave a review, or join the conversation and leave a comment on LinkedIn and Twitter. You can find SimpleStream and Beyond the Stream there too. Now let's head back into conversation with Dan Finch, co-founder and CCO at SimpleStream. So, Dan, what, what would you say has been the highlight of your career so far? What we've achieved uh, here at, at SimpleStream is something that um, you know, I'm really proud of. And I guess it's just testament to the, the team that have been involved in the business uh, since we started it. And I think it's, uh, it's really grown. So I think it's nice to be um, part of something that you know, has grown from something that was very quite small. Think of the acorn analogy turning into an oak. Um, a little bit like that. And I think that we're in a very exciting time uh, for, for the business uh, that is reflected in the how dynamic the industry is at the moment with uh, all things video and sort of TV related. And not only growing into an oak tree, an oak tree with its own podcast, which is why we're here today, which is great. As, we, as you mentioned there, Dan, as well, about obviously the video industry, it's changed a lot in the time you've been involved in it. Um, what would you say from, say, your first days uh, working in the industry we work in today, what would you say the biggest change has been for yourself? I think it's probably the adoption of non-traditional means uh, for distribution of, of, of TV and sports. And I think the the if we rewind, you know, sort of ten years ago, um, when people would say, "Oh, you know, what's what's OTT? What's all that about?" Uh, to where we are today, um, that's really um, a significant change. And I think that. One of the main catalysts was really when TVs started to be shipped with Ethernet connectivity in the back. And I remember seeing, I think it was like a Sony Bravia or something. I thought, well, that's interesting. Why, why is that the case? Obviously, um, you know, uh, prophetic of, of things that were to, to come along. Um, and obviously the manufacturers realized that the future of television as we know it was going to be delivered you know, over, over the Internet. So I think it's just come, it's come such a long way. I think the you know, the content, because the content doesn't sort of change. There's still amazing content that is being made, um, but more content, more than ever these days. And um, yeah, it's just the distribution model that's changed. Definitely. So obviously, when you first saw those Ethernet ports in the back of your first Sony Bravia TV, then you just identified that there was a bit of a gap in the market, which obviously led you to being a co-founder here at SimpleStream and then building what we've got today. Yeah, so the, the idea behind uh, the, the business was really to actually launch our own um, online TV platform, which we uh, managed to do uh, called TV Player, which we launched in, I think, 2014. But we realized that actually it was 
probably way ahead of its time. We, we identified there's a really good opportunity to sort of bring all the TV channels into one application um, and then make them available on, on mobile. When we realized the, I mean, the proliferation of mobile devices, uh, tablets, connected TVs, uh, TV started to get smarter, all these kind of like, I guess, external factors. And then also, you know, the, the, the enablers that, you know, like Apple um, of this world that allowed you to develop these sort of apps and so when you manage to sort of marry together, I guess, taking a traditional linear TV experience, but putting that onto uh, websites and mobile devices, that's what really sort of drove our kind of vision, I guess, to, to sort of um, get up and running. But at the same time, I don't think we could have launched um, TV player without SimpleStream. And we couldn't have done SimpleStream without TV player because by having the relationships with the broadcasters, certainly helped us to advise them almost on their own OTT strategy. And so when they were ready to, to come on board the platform um, and they cleared all their rights, uh, we were actually in a, in a good position to also help them with their own OTT services so they could understand the, the end consumers a bit more. Yeah, definitely. It's funny you mentioned TV Player because I remember I would have been back in my first year of university then in 2014, and I actually used to use TV Player. Great. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> myself and so i actually remember using it because i didn't like i didn't like having an actual tv so i just had like my laptop so for me it was perfect because if i wanted to watch you know normal tv shows online then it was something i could actually do at home yeah so i think yeah it was definitely ahead of its time even then because obviously there wasn't really anything else around then as much as you had like obviously bbc iplayer that kind of thing but in terms yeah. of watching like the live channels and i think it's interesting you mention about the industry and how it started out as obviously coming from TV going online. But the interesting part now is we've got things like fast channels. Obviously, we know it uh, ourselves as free advertising supported television. And that's kind of what it is. But one thing I wanted to ask you about was whether you think fast is important and was it ever actually important? Um, I think it's just a, you know, uh, it's, it's rebadged. Uh, telly isn't it really yeah i think with uh you know fast is is exactly what free-to-air tv has always been um since the 50s i guess obviously there's commercial broadcasters that use advertising to um to offset their costs and create programs um we're one of the few countries i think that have something like the bbc um where you know you, you as a as a licensed fee payer obviously fund Find the development of of those uh, TV channels and radio channels, and um, yeah, it's a it's an interesting model, but it hasn't really changed. Again, it's just the distribution sort of mechanism, and I think that you know the platforms have become quite sort of savvy now um, as to yeah. you know who they get to come on board in a sort of fast capacity, um, but also I think the the advertising industry has now um, kind of caught up. Whereas before, um, if you were to put a free-to-air channel on, you know, multiple devices, it would just increase your distribution. It wouldn't actually increase your revenues. Um, whereas now, by having, you know, the different um, advertising monetization methods that you can now have, that actually allows you to uh, increase not just your distribution, but actually your revenue. And I think that's the yeah the the the, the, the interesting thing that's happened now in this sort of fast the fast environment and broadcasters have now 
you know, finally got different solutions to allow them to, to sort of capitalize on that. And also actually understand, you know, who's watching their channels on what device for how long and where they might be in the country. So it starts to create a, you know, a brand persona on a sort of per channel basis, whereas before they weren't, they never really had access to that sort of information. No, obviously, with with things like barb rated content now, which advertisers would originally have to go off, it's a limited pool of resource for them to pull from in terms of data and viewer data. Whereas, obviously, because we're delivering things over the internet now, mm. we've got much more access to that data to, as you mentioned, there deliver that kind of hyper personalized and targeted advertising to the individual viewer for our industry, especially. Like that's that's a really important aspect of what you bring to the table, like especially with launching fast channels. Now, you mentioned about the individual platforms, I think reaching kind of a saturation point mm-hmm. um, in terms of, you know, how much content they can actually onboard now. And I think you you kind of get that with a lot of, well, we as you mentioned, it's, it's a new thing, but also it's not. We're regurgitating what free-to-air television was just online. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously, when that begins and everyone thinks, oh, it's this exciting new thing, everyone's rushing to do it at the same time. It is yeah. that kind of gold rush moment. No, I was just going to say to, to sort of add to, add to that is, um, you know, fast is interesting, but it's it's not for every, I guess, brand or for every channel. If you think about some of the fast channels that are out there, there's not that many um, that have created such a strong brand. And off the top of my head, let's pick something like, um, I don't know, Kitchen Nightmares, Gordon Ramsay, or the Baywatch channel that's on Samsung TV Plus at the moment. So these these, these programs have been built um, by, or commissioned by broadcasters. So you could probably thank Channel 4 for building out that Gordon Ramsay uh, sort of production, similar for ITV, um, you know, with content like, you know, 80s TV content like Baywatch or Knight Rider. And I think that the bit that the fast sort of channels are missing is actually what the broadcasters have done such a great job over the years, which is building their own channels, their own brands, brand identity, tone of voice, continuity. Mm. Um, and fast channels don't have that. They just have, they just, you know, put out their um, box sets of, of, of content in a linear uh, fashion, but there's no sort of continuity. There's no credit squeezes. There's no voiceovers. There's no, promos there's no sort of tone of voice to the to the fast channel and i think that that's the bit that is missing today um and that's something that we're you know certainly capable of 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 doing and and, and working with um you know channels on that um in that regard and then the other part i think is interesting is around um you know having sort of live events made available within uh, within a fast environment that uh, that no one is doing today. It's almost like the fast channels that are on offer now are like white label products. There's no sort of brand or personality to each individual channel to differentiate it from the next. It is based solely on the content they're actually putting onto the channel itself. And they're kind of leveraging that for you know their own success without actually bringing anything to the table themselves. So I, I definitely think that's something that someone who's looking to launch a fast channel, as you mentioned, could really bring to the table and something that SimpleStream could enable as well? Yeah, 100%. I think they, they need to, I think everyone has kind of like dipped their toe in the water a little bit just to sort of see, you know, let's suck it and see, let's see what happens. Let's just put our content out there. And 
you know, if you think about the amount of effort it would be to actually create, you know, a, a channel. I mean, I've, I've worked on, you know, five or six, seven different channel launches over my career. And the amount of effort that goes into each one of those and cost is, is considerable. Um, now, the, but the, the cost of entry, uh, the barriers to entry have come down significantly um, over the years. But you still need to have, I think, you know, um, a team of people that understand the content um, can schedule it in the right way to have the tone of voice that an on-air promotions team can bring to the table, uh, graphics, um, marketing teams to promote the content. So all those things that traditional TV has done, you know, um, for, for so many years, I think is still valid in the fast, fast environment. And I think it, you can't just be reliant on, you know, like a, a smart TV manufacturer to, to be your kind of holy grail of, of revenue. Whereas we see, yeah. you know, um, I guess, you know, the broadcasters and content owners need to have a multi-platform approach. And it could be, you know, what's their Instagram strategy? What's their TikTok strategy? What's their Facebook strategy? Is it, is it seeding short form content in, you know, in on those platforms and then driving people to the big screens to watch, uh, you know, the, the, the long form and the, and the linear and the linear channels? All these things, I think, you know, need to be taken into consideration when launching a, a fast channel. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So what you're saying is obviously like the marketing has to support what your product is similar to other businesses as well. You can't just rely solely on, okay, our content's great. You should really just watch this. Yeah. Um, and obviously you mentioned as part of a part of your answer there, you were talking about these individual brands, things like kitchen, kitchen nightmares that's relying on like a single personality really to prop up an entire brand, which is Gordon Ramsay. And obviously we all kind of know Gordon Ramsay. So in the same aspect, in the same similar vein, you mentioned about short form content on TikTok, YouTube. Could influencers maybe do something with like akin to a fast channel, do you think, and go direct to their fans? I think I think some of them could. Um or may, or maybe they need to the maybe the production uh well, content owners might want to lean on some of those influencers and maybe give them some of the content. Maybe they could do, you know, cool sort of like mashups of, you know, mm. um, narratives around, you know, um, with Gordon Ramsay, you know, that, that, those features and functionality are available on platforms like Instagram. So I think people can be quite creative with the content if the content owner is willing to give the content away. And I think that, you know, when, it, when you want to appeal to a, uh, a younger um, audience, that are choosing to maybe not tuning into normal live TV, but they are, I guess, you know, the sort of Snapchat generations or Instagram generations now where, you know, the sort of the, the scrolling of, you know, of accessing content. Um, it's a little bit like kryptonite, but, uh, you know, I think if, you, if you're smart with your strategy, you can actually do, do well out of that. And I think um, it shouldn't be ignored because if you look at how marketing spend is on TV, I'd say is probably reducing, but the brands are still spending the money, but they're just choosing to spend it on different devices. So you need to go where where the smart money is um, to yeah to sort of stay stay relevant. And on the subject of Ramsey, I'm I'm just going to set the scene a little bit now. So I want you to imagine for a second that Gordon's actually in your house. He's he's just set it on fire. I don't know why he's annoyed, but he has. He's set your house on fire. He's got a gun and he's holding it to your head. And you've also found in this moment you really need the loo. 
and he's he's actually asking you what's the next big trend in the ott industry what would you say to him <laughs> what would i say to gordon ramsay i'd say so i i think um we will see uh, less fast channels uh, more traditional broadcasters embracing new you know, new, new platforms um, with short form and long form content. Um, I think you'll see a rise of probably sponsors um, around channels, like more sort of channel sponsorships, mm. I think, um, to allow, you know, sort of like brand association for actual channels. So advertiser funded channels, I think is something that we, we hasn't really still got off the ground yet. Um, content, there's never been so much content. And I guess the the other part is actually around how do we access that content and is scheduling going to be done by a human or is it going to be done by AI, um, which I actually think is um, a little bit scary, but actually when used properly can be, you know, a bit like chat GPT can be a force for good uh, rather than a force for um, force for evil. One of the biggest things over the past few years we've seen is like the metaverse. Can you imagine a future where we're meeting up at a virtual event and you're there chatting with your mates in the metaverse, maybe even sat down and watching it? Yeah, I I, I actually think it's already there because um, I was at a trade show. It must have been three or four or five years ago now. There was a, there was a demo where they had a live football match and you could basically put your headset on and sit next to the manager um, and, you oh. are, and you are literally like you know you're what you're watching the game and that was like four or five years ago so i would imagine that someone like what was facebook meta will will have that in their pipeline i think and i think it also opens up a whole new almost like a sort of new revenue stream for the sports rights holders because then you could actually then be selling um, or snapping up, I guess, the commercial rights for the the metaverse for the Premiership football, which would be outside, I think, of their, you know, traditional Sky TV, um, you know, agreement. I think with the uh, the advancement of the glasses and, you know, and how how people are con- viewing content, I think um, it's just a matter of time till those events uh, do happen. And whether it's a live sporting event or you want to have a front row seat at a concert. Um, mm. Yeah, your, your your ticket is there. The ability to share that with somebody, although you won't physically be there, but we could still, you know, engage through our, through our avatars. Um, that would be that would be good. Why do you think some industries that aren't already involved in video streaming, like publishers or healthcare, why do you think they might actually need to get involved in video and streaming? I think that. Um, I wouldn't say people have become lazy, but it's a lot easier to watch video than it is to read content. And I think that the the, the publishers of the world, the uh, the retailers of this world, they are all looking for more ways to engage with um, you know, with their with their consumer with their consumer base. So whether whether it's in in fashion, for example, where you know we live in the world of fast fashion, where there's like you know six to eight different I guess seasons a year now. Um, and each one of those retailers want to have either people endorsing their brands, they want to um, showcase their brand in a slightly different way. And I think that we've gone way beyond the 30 second commercial that might you know, cost a quarter million pounds to produce, stick it on you know, terrestrial TV in terms of advertising. 
Whereas now I think they can be much more smarter about, you know, how they how they go about that. And I think when it comes down to, you know, um, sort of shoppable video e-commerce, for example, is something that uh, we're certainly sort of getting involved with. So although we are you know, simple stream and work with, you know, lots of broadcasters and content owners and sports companies, we're also looking to work with publishers, uh, retail uh, customers as well, because they all they are all embracing um, video because that's where people are, uh, or the consumers are. They're watching content on their mobiles, they're watching it on their big screens, they're watching it on their tablets, um, they're watching it in their cars. All the cars that now come yeah. out, they've got absolutely enormous um, you know, screens. So I think it's just, uh, it's again, if you think about 10 years ago, you couldn't have launched a, a video streaming or platform because the devices weren't there. Um, the, the capability wasn't there either. The ideas were there, but actually to deliver it, the, the broadband capacity wasn't, wasn't there. The rights wasn't there. Whereas nowadays, it's all there. And I think, um, you know, they're all going to have to, they are all embracing these different ways to um, get people to engage with um, you know, with their brand. I don't know about cars. If I, had a, if I had a screen in my car, I would have crashed by now. But, you know, that's just me, though. Well, I think that about does us for today, Dan. Uh, I just want to thank you for taking the time at your busy schedule. Um, obviously, you know, visiting the Titanic, going on... Uh, rides with the Breitling jet team, which you mentioned. So I, had um, caveat, so I, think... caveat, I didn't actually go down to the Titanic, but I did, <laughs> I did come up with the idea and I did organize the, uh, the, the trip, but unfortunately I didn't go down, but, um, oh. I did get to fly with the Breitling jet team and that was actually quite amazing. Um, until nice. I ended and then needed, just felt ill, needed a cup of tea with about eight sugars in, I think to, <laughs> oh gosh, you probably needed the loo again. <laughs> <laughs> great. Well, thank you again, Dan. Um, it's been great chatting with you today about everything, you know, from the metaverse to fast and to obviously helping out our listeners to find out why they should be involved in video and how they could take stream into the next level with Simple Stream. Uh, this has been Beyond the Stream. I'm Edward Norton, and I'll see you next time. Thank you all for tuning in to today's episode of Beyond the Stream. Before we wrap up, I'd like to thank Dan Finch again for joining us to share his expertise and perspective on the future of the OTT industry. If you enjoyed today's episode and want to stay up to date with the latest insights in online video, then why not sign up for our newsletter Unboxed? You can find the link to subscribe in the description of the episode or on the Simple Stream LinkedIn profile. If you're a content owner that's looking for new ways to connect with customers through video, check out the suite of next generation TV solutions and OTT services we provide for some of the biggest players in the broadcast, sports and media industry by visiting our website, simplestream.com. And finally, please don't forget to give us a rating and review in your podcast directory of choice. It means a lot for a growing podcast like ours. Make sure you subscribe to be alerted when the next episode of Beyond the Stream will drop. Until next time. Thank <laughs> you.